<laughs> it's good to be here with you guys this morning. It's a huge privilege, privilege to um, be speaking to you guys this morning. Me and Becca are just honored uh, to be amongst you guys. And first, I want to just introduce my family. I'm super proud of my family, so I'm just going to be unashamed about that. This is my, my wife, Becca, and my daughter, Annika. We've been married for four years, and uh, we met up in Alaska while I was serving as a youth pastor uh, in Alaska for 10 years. And so uh, she followed me down to Michigan while I went to seminary, which was a big move for us. And, uh, and then last year, we gave birth to our beautiful daughter, Annika. That's her just a couple weeks after she was born. So cute. She's <laughs> so still. <laughs> now she's a little bit bigger. Yep. And she keeps me and Becca on our toes constantly. She will be turning one at the end of the month, and she's starting to walk, and uh, it's great. <laughs> keeps us on our toes. So I was told I could speak on anything this morning, so I thought it would be a great opportunity to just share, uh, speak on something that my family and I are passionate about, loving Christ as Christ has loved us, to love as he has loved I'm passionate about this topic because of the experiences I've had in my life. And those experiences in my life have helped me cultivate this, uh, living this out in my own life. I'm still constantly being refined in this area. And, but God has given me this passion not only to influence uh, those around, the, uh, around me, but also to uh, just cultivate this in my own life. And during our interview process, I had a chance to ask the search team some questions. And one of the questions I asked was, how would you guys describe faith, covenants, church culture? And the answer I got back was, was we're defined by our love for each other. And this excited me because this is... It, me, I, I got so excited after the interv uh, interview to go meet Becca and talk to her because I was like, they are aligned with our heart. They have the same passion. They're about the same things that we are. And when I told her this, we let out a little joyful noise and did our little happy dance, <laughs> kind of like what Kurt just did. <laughs> we were so excited at then and now at the potential opportunity to just partner with you guys and share in a church culture who shares our heart of loving as Christ has loved us. And so this morning, I wanted to be, this message to be an encouragement to you to continue to live into that and rise up to Christ's call to his disciples, us, to love as he has loved us. And so we're going to be looking at a passage in the Gospel of John this morning. And this section of scripture is the beginning of what a lot of scholars call the Jesus' farewell discourse. It starts in the middle of chapter 13 and runs through 17. And these are Jesus' last words before his crucifixion. These are the important lessons that Jesus wanted to share with his disciples before he left them. The important lessons he wanted to express to his close friends. So today we're going to be looking at the beginning of that. It comes from John 13, uh, verses 34 through 35. It says this, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus begins telling them to love with the sort of love that he modeled for them. The same kind of love that characterizes his relationship with God is the same love that we're supposed to have for each other. And it's the same love that marks us as Christ's disciples. I want to stop here before we get too far because oftentimes in my experience, this verse has been used to uh, teach people to love people outside of the church. 
but I don't believe that this is what God intended. Jesus was speaking to the disciples and calling them specifically to love each other the way he loved them. This verse is meant for the church, for us. And the byproduct of the way we love each other is what the world will notice. So let's take a look at the love that Jesus modeled for us. I think the love that Jesus modeled for us is manifested in three different ways. So the first way Jesus modeled his love for us is through obedience. The first and foremost, it starts with obedience to God. Obedience is the root of the love that Christ models for us. And it needs to be the root of our love um, as disciples. Love and obedience go hand in hand in Jesus' farewell discourse, this, this section between 13 and 17. We read in John 14, 31, of his obedience to the Father. I love the Father and do exactly what the Father has commanded me. He loves, therefore he obeys what the Father has commanded him to do. Jesus calls his disciples to love through obedience just as he is being obedient to the Father. And we see this in John 15, 9 through 10. I loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. And when you obey my commands, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commands and remain in his love. Jesus' life was marked with a love that resulted in obedience to his heavenly Father. Jesus is calling us as disciples to love him through obedience just like he modeled for us. I remember when I first really understood what, the, what love through obedience looks like. I was growing up, and I grew up in Colorado, and I had two, I have, I still have, two wonderful parents. <laughs> and they had, like many of us as we're growing up, parents give out chores, right? And I had my list, and I was trying to figure out how many I had. I basically had five chores outside of the odds and ends that my parents would ask me to do. One, I had to feed the dog every morning. Um, and then two, if it was snowing out, because we're in Colorado, I had to scoop the walk or the driveway as soon as it got done snowing. And then during the summer and spring and fall months, I had to mow the lawn and take care of the lawn. Um, I had to keep my room clean, which was a hard one. <laughs> and then the last one was uh, take out the trash on Thursday nights because the cr- trash man came super early on Friday mornings. And my parents constantly had to nag me to do these chores. Parents, anybody out there feel like they got to do that with their kids? Yeah, right? And so um, I, I never understood, you know, because they're constantly asking me to do my chores. And then I went to my first year of college and came back home. And I was so grateful, which I know this is probably your parents, your hope too. I was so grateful for everything my parents did for me. I was like, I had to cook. I had to clean. I had to do my own laundry. um, All these things. And so I came back that summer, and I didn't have to be asked to do anything. I was like, oh, lawn's a little long. Cool. I'm going to go mow the lawn, you know. (laughs) It's Thursday night. I got to get the whole house, all the trash in the whole house out. Didn't have to be asked. And I saw the joy that it brought my parents, that they didn't have to nag me. (laughs) And I think this is um, a lot of what God has for us, too. My mom and dad did so much for me, and they asked so little of me. And God does so much for us and asks so little of us. He sends his son to die for our sins. God gives us eternal life with him in heaven. He gives us the Holy Spirit to empower us and equip us to do the things he asks. God is good, and he does more. And so we love, we're called to be obedient to Christ as he was to the Father through love. The second way 
Jesus modeled love for us is through commitment. And we see Jesus' Jesus's commitment to the disciples through the story of Peter. Peter denied Jesus three times the night of his crucifixion. But the day of Jesus' resurrection, he met with Peter and asked him to feed his sheep and to lead his church. Jesus was committed to the disciples even though they weren't always committed to him. And we, I think, oftentimes um, struggle with commitment. We struggle to commit to anything. We want gym memberships and other services that we can just quit without consequences. We want to, uh, we struggle to commit to our diets and our goals for the year. We struggle to commit in our relationships and even in our marriages. So of course the church, we are going to struggle with commitment too. And I think Timothy Keller says it best. He says, everyone says they want community and friendship. But mention accountability and commitment to people, and they run the other way. I don't think there are true words for when it comes to community and friendship, especially for the church. As soon as we talk accountability or commitment to each other, uh, we're out. But we need those things. We need those things because our hearts desire for something deeper. When we don't have those things, our relationships are just on the surface. We end up just tolerating each other and being polite, and we just are basically acquaintances. So we need to stay committed to community to build relationships that we long for. So when we have differences of opinions, we don't just leave church or leave our friends, but we work through those differences because we love each other and we care about each other. When we're fighting or we've been hurt by people we don't, in the body of Christ, we just don't leave. We seek to reconcile and forgive each other and to work through the issues in order to build trust and community that lasts. I've experienced this firsthand. When I was working up in Alaska, it was within the first couple years there, um, Brian, who was my boss then, now we're like best friends, uh, we were both working in youth ministry, and we ran this pretty crazy event called the Amazing Race up there, and it was basically a week-long scavenger hunt for our students in our ministry, and we'd uh, stick a couple youth leaders in a suburban and stick six or eight kids in the suburban, and they would drive around finding clues that me and Brian would lay out, trying to figure out where they were going to stay for a night, where, what they were going to do next all competing for the crown of the Amazing Race champion. And so we tallied up points. We had them shoot videos. It was a lot of work. <laughs> but it was so much fun, and our kids appreciated it so much. But seeing as we were doing this for a week, we were in the Outrider vehicle one day, and we just got into it. I don't remember what we were fighting about specifically, but we were fighting, and the words that were coming out of our mouths were not necessarily words that should be coming out of two pastors' mouths, okay? <laughs> Brian pulled over to the side of the road, and uh, I, I honestly thought we might step out <laughs> and duke it out. And so, but we didn't. <laughs> We, we had, we, we said our things and then we just all of a sudden just, let's stop. We just took a break because we were both frustrated. We were both really angry and we just took a couple deep breaths. I know I prayed <laughs> and I'm sure he prayed too. And we talked about why we were upset. We owned up for the things that we had done to each other and said to each other. And we asked for forgiveness and we worked through our issues right then and there. And I think that is what builds trust and community. 
I know for a fact that we both marked that time as a turning point in our relationship of where we really were able to trust each other. We went deeper into our relationship because of that fight. It doesn't always make logical sense, but we learned to be safe around each other. We learned that we could express ourselves and then come to a place of reconciliation and move forward and not just pretend like it was okay and actually work through the issues. That is what builds community and trust. And that's what Jesus is talking about when he says, I want you guys to love each other well. That kind of love is different than the world's love. Part of loving each other well comes from being committed and encouraging each other to love well. We read in Hebrews 10, chapter, uh, chapter 10, verses 30, uh, 24 through 25. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is near. See, they struggled with the same thing, problems we do, and we must encourage one another to speak truth into each other's lives and work through things in order to build community. We're called to love each other by being committed to each other. The third way that Jesus modeled uh, love, love for us is seen in servanthood. We see Jesus modeling servanthood just before the beginning of this farewell discourse. He decided to wash his disciples' feet. It says in John 13, 14 through 15, Now I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. You should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. The act of Jesus serving his disciples, though he's the son of God, shows that we are not above anybody else. He's the son of God, yet he humbled himself to wash his disciples' feet. Jesus puts it plainly in Mark 10, verses 45, where Jesus says, Jesus, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus' life was marked with a love that resulted in servanthood, even to the point of dying on the cross for us. Sacrificial servanthood. I remember reading a great, great example of servanthood in Shane Claiborne's book, uh, the Irresistible Revolution that really stuck with me. Shane was uh, serving with Mother Teresa in Calcutta at the time, and so this excerpt comes from there. He says, Mother Teresa was one of those people who sacrificed great privilege because she encountered such a great need. People often ask me what Mother Teresa was like. Sometimes it's like they wonder if she glowed or had a halo. She was short, wrinkled, and precious, and maybe even a little ornery, like a beautiful, wise old granny. But there's one thing I will never forget about her, her feet. Her feet were deformed. Each morning in mass, I would stare at them. I wondered if she had contracted leprosy. But I wasn't going to ask her, of course, hey, mother, what's wrong with your feet? <laughs> one day, a sister said to us, have you noticed her feet? And we nodded, curious, and she said, her feet are deformed because we get just enough donated shoes for everyone. And mother does not want anyone to get stuck with the worst pair. So she digs through them and finds them. And years after doing that, it's deformed her feet. Years of loving her neighbor as herself deformed her feet. Talk about sacrificial servanthood. Often instead, 
it's, that's love. Oftentimes, it's a type of love that we are too scared to step into. It's scary to give of yourself in that way. Often, instead of living a life of servanthood, we seek to be served instead. We put ourselves above others and, and instead of serving those around them, us. We see many examples of this in our daily lives. Imagine if this story was a little different, though. Say Mother Teresa was digging through those shoes, and instead of finding the worst ones, she found the best ones for her, and she justified it because I'm serving others, and I'm on my feet all day. That would change the story completely, wouldn't it? Her service wouldn't seem so sacrificial. It wouldn't seem so loving. Sacrifice is a part of servanthood. And Jesus sacrificed his position. He came down from heaven and humbled himself as a man so he could die on the cross for us. Jesus sacrificed his position as a rabbi and teacher with his disciples by taking off his clothes and wrapping a towel around his feet and washing his disciples' feet. That was unheard of. And ultimately, Jesus sacrificed his life by dying for us. So what are we going to do to serve others? So what are we going to sacrifice by serving others? Our time, our energy, our resources? Are we willing to sacrifice even our own bodies like Mother Teresa for the sake of those we love? I think there are many ways we can choose to love others, big and small. And maybe it's volunteering in ministry here just to give somebody else a break who serves all the time. Maybe it's coming alongside somebody who's in need and you have the resources to help. Maybe it's just inviting somebody you don't know from church out to lunch afterwards so you can get to know them. We're family, right? <laughs> we should know who's in our family. Maybe someone is going through a tough time and just needs somebody to listen um, to what's going on. These things sometimes feel like small acts of service, but they're big when you're struggling. And I know this from experience. Um, we had a a pretty tragic last year where both Becca's uh, stepdad and her father passed away within eight weeks of each other. It was rough. And our church came alongside us and provided me meals for us while we were grieving. It was a small deal to bring us a warm meal on a night, <laughs> but it was meant a, the world to us because of what we were going through. I know I've had friends who've helped with car repairs when I haven't been able to, you know, pay for them. And that's been great because I've learned how to repair a car <laughs> and I got help in the process. And sometimes it's just someone checking up on you when you've talked to them about having a rough week and they call a few days later and say, hey, are you still doing, how, how are you doing now? Those small things mean a lot when you're going through them. We are called to love one another through servanthood. Love as Christ has loved you. This is what the world needs more than anything right now. There's enough fighting going on. There's enough prejudice going on. There's enough polarization going on in our country. And all this stuff is not building anybody up. It's tearing people down. It's tearing them apart. And the world needs to see people who are committed to loving each other well, despite differences, despite opinions, despite what you look like. This is what the church is called to do. We are called to love people in a way that changes the world. This has been preached on a million times, and the church has risen up in awesome ways to answer the call and love each other well, in ways that has impacted communities, cities, and countries. I remember while I was going through seminary this last year, reading a third century historian, but I can't remember his name right now, and he talked about the fierce love that the Christians had. 
during the third century. And he's cited saying that their love is so fierce, they take care of everybody who's in need among them. And they're even willing to sacrifice their lives for them. The love that they had for each other blew the minds of the people outside of the church. And so this morning, I want to encourage you to continue to live this out as the body of Christ, to love deeply, to love as he has loved, to be committed to Christ, to be obedient to Christ, to be committed to each other, and to serve sacrificially and love as he has loved. So I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe you stepped in here and this is your first time in church. <laughs> you're like, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> But I want to invite you in. Maybe for you, the first the step this morning is just uh, coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Maybe it's just stepping into this family and experiencing the love I'm talking about. Because it's hard to love others if you've never experienced that love. And so maybe for you, it's stepping into that. Maybe you've been hurt or have hurt others. And maybe today, maybe your next step is just uh, choosing to step into that instead of ignoring it. And stepping into talking with whoever's hurt you or who you've hurt and reconciling with one another. And maybe you're like, I, I got this down. <laughs> I'm committed. I think I love well. And then I just want to challenge you guys to not get stagnant because it's easy. When we get into good community and we're loving well, it's really easy to get stagnant and get into a rut. And so I want to challenge you to think of ways that you can sacrificially give for those outside of your little sphere and into the broader community. And to love each other well. To rise up to what God has called us to. To love as he has loved us. Will you guys pray with me? Dear Holy Father, we thank you that you are God who loves and loves well. And God, we are, uh, we need your Holy Spirit's power in order to love as you've called us to love. And so God, we just ask for that right now, Lord Jesus. And for those here who may have, uh, who don't know you, who would like to, Lord, I just pray that you would just give them peace right now in their heart um, and that you, they would just accept you into their heart this morning, Lord. And for those who are struggling and just uh, need to talk with people, God, I pray that you would give them courage to uh, approach those that they need to talk to so that they can reconcile. And for us who are loving well, Lord, I pray that you would just continue to uh, spur us on to good work, works and good deeds and love those well around us. We thank you that you're a good and gracious God, and we ask that you bless this day. In Jesus' name.